Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack, and you're listening to the Dev90X podcast. Today, it is day 55, and it is also a Thursday, 30th of September, 2021. It feels like the year is really just zooming by right now, and these days just seem like calendar days that are just whirring on this rotating cycle in front of my eyeballs. <laughs> it almost feels like my life is going in like time lapse at the moment. Um, the title of today's episode is The Serious Business of Serious App Development. The reason I say that is because it is starting to get serious now that Harry is involved. I realize that the ambition has taken a step up and what started out as a cool concept, a hobby project to teach myself how to become an engineer or a code monkey or whatever you want to call it. I want to learn how to code. I want to learn how to build cool stuff using code. And this was my, my avenue for learning how to do that, learning that skill. It started out like that. And it was sort of a, a pipe dream that this app concept would be a good one, like a really viable app concept. Now that Harry's involved, the excitement has taken a step up, the energy has taken a step up, and the ambition has also taken a step up. And with that comes the everything to do with launching a successful app. So what, what I typically kind of glossed over when I was starting this project is now being brought to the absolute forefront is this a viable concept? Is this worth investing into? Is this worth selling equity in? Is this, will this actually get users? Will people pay for this? And initially I didn't care because the viability of this was too pronged. It was viable initially as a portfolio piece and to teach me a skill set that I wanted to acquire and to propel me in a career direction that I want to go in. So that alone made this project viable. The second level of viability was that it had all the other hallmarks of a viable app concept. It had technical feasibility, it had business viability, it had a, a large market size of users that are underserved and you know have many pain points that have never been served by an app before and that this can do it better than anything else. Um, yeah, all of those other things. As it turns out, I had, a, I had a feeling that there may be something here, that there may be some kind of underserved need in the market. And as it turns out, there probably is actually. Um, we're talking about it now and realizing that there are a lot of things that could be optimized in this niche area, in the handstander community um, and in this, this kind of endeavor that people go on when they want to learn how to handstand. Handstands are big. There's no denying it. There's over, there's over 8 million posts with the hashtag handstand on Instagram. There's, when you look at fitness instructors who are in the yoga space or the CrossFit space, a good percentage of the content that they post is of them doing handstands. And the reason is because it's an obvious visual medium to show, showcase uh, kind of like your portfolio of your impressiveness of balance, control, strength, 
all of these things can be bundled up and expressed in a handstand. And that's what's so great about handstands. That's why handstands are one of the most popular um, physical yoga poses to take, to take photos of and share on different platforms, not just photos, but also videos. <clears throat> so there's definitely something there. People are sharing so much content to do with handstands and there's just a lot of people out there practicing this skill. And <clears throat> honestly, there's really no apps. There is Kyle Weger on iOS, which is kind of like your aloe or aloe moves of hand balancing video tutorials. And then there's a, a bunch of other sort of useful, like maybe useful tracking tools or, you know, workout suggestions or you know workout sequencing things like that that you know maybe are good but they don't they don't have much traction there's there's clearly not a lot of interest in it from an app perspective just based on initial user numbers and, and ratings and what's what's available there it seems like it's just not worth exploring but when you look on instagram the whole thing is different like people are sharing so much and on TikTok as well. So we went over all of that, the entire strategy today of servicing this niche in the best, most optimized way possible, which might not look like the original concept in the end. Uh, but Harry and I both believe that there is something, something there. And so it, things do get a little bit more serious when, when it's talk, talking time to you know raise money or or take on debt, um, hire engineers, things like that, or potentially even, you know, crowdfund it, like putting putting it on a Kickstarter or Indiegogo, or getting into an accelerator program like like uh, Y Combinator or TechStars. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different ways forward to grow something that is potentially much bigger, and looking at that is pretty exciting actually it's definitely a much bigger thing than a portfolio piece that teaches me how to code <laughs> so that is what I did today it was 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. of a bunch of things that I couldn't I honestly couldn't put into dot point form because we just we covered so much brainstorming about different feature ideas and different bring to market strategies and different launch strategies and different marketing ideas and you know, how to create a growth strategy and how to make a make it a viral strategy and how to get initial users, how to build traction metrics, how to get emails, how to partner up, who the who are the right people to partner up with, who are the big influencers in the space. Um, there's so many questions, so many questions, and we, we went over so many of them. And so that's where... That's where I am at today. I didn't. I intended to do coding all day, and we ended up doing business viability assessment and business strategizing all day. And it felt good. It felt like the right thing to do when looking at investing a little bit more heavily into this app concept to bring the the concept to life as it is intended to be brought to life. Um, requires a little bit more of a rigorous process behind viability. It means more time and attention needs to be spent on marketing, more time and attention 
on strategy, bring to like go to market strategy, and more time and attention on strategic partnerships, and of course design. Um, taking a step back from implementing code is to actually work on the design first, to really work on the design rather than just me. When it's a hobby project to teach me how to code, it's like, all right, I just want to jump in the code. I want to be working with code most of the time. I don't want to be working with Figma most of the time. I want to be in Xcode. And so the the emphasis there or the tendency is is to not work on the design and just implement what I can see in my mind, implement what I can see in my head, do, do it one step at a time, so one feature at a time, one small change at a time, and incrementally improve the app experience rather than designing it all fresh from scratch, exactly how it would fit the market need perfectly, then implementing that custom design. Uh, that's, that's the difference there. And I guess option number two is probably better, <laughs> which is also the harder option, like much, much harder. But ultimately, the more probably more successful option is when you, you have a design, a visual design that people can look at, and you can show it to your target customers or show it to your target users, and they can say, hey, I love that. I want that. Sign me up. Where can I drop my email? When are you launching it? How much is it going to cost me? That, that's the kind of reaction that you're looking for. And when you don't have a design that people can see, then they can only see your app after you launch it, <laughs> which means that you've already spent all this time invested in building the app without having probably without having very much viability on the actual on the actual UX that you are delivering to people. So unfortunately, while this podcast is called Dev90X, the development has taken a pivot and now we are going to design. <laughs> uh, so my job, the scope of my work just got wider, which is scary and also hopefully fruitful. Jack's hack for today is to face your fears. So I get a lot of fear with, <laughs> I'm generally frightened. <laughs> um, I have a lot of fear around a lot of different things. And I, I realized recently that I don't directly address that. And so for a few days now, I have been doing some fear setting. And this is something that I, I picked up from Tim Ferriss a long time ago. And I believe that Tim Ferriss still recommends this occasionally. He drops this one. He talks about it in his books and his podcasts on YouTube. Fear setting. It's where you actually think about what are you afraid of doing right now? What's like, because often you just subconsciously push it to the side and because it brings pain or potential discomfort or embarrassment or uncertainty, you, you want to move away from that and move towards things that bring you certainty, security, comfort, um, and you, you honestly don't even think about the things that scare you. You honestly don't. You don't, you don't think about them day to day. You, you push, you, maybe it comes up in dreams. Maybe, um, maybe it's in the back of your mind. But bringing it to the forefront is so valuable. So valuable. Because usually 
it, it's true. Usually it's the thing that you should be doing that will actually result in progress or will, will bring the most, will yield the most results in your endeavor, whatever, whatever that is, whatever that endeavor is. So via setting, that's Jack's hack for today. I've been doing it. I'm seeing the results. I am enjoying it. Actually, it's kind of exciting, brings more spice to life and I recommend it. So that's it for today, day 55. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow.